I'd like to start today by getting a poll from you. Raise your hand if you read the newspaper every single day. You get it delivered to you and, and you read it. Okay? Keep your hands up. Raise your hand if you watch the news every day on TV. Okay? Keep your hands up. Raise your hand if you read about it on your phone or the internet. Alright, almost every one of us reads or watches the news. Alright, you can put your hands down. If I'm characterizing the news stories that are, are published, that are put on TV, uh, they're not exactly uplifting stories, are they? Uh, some of them are, but they're th maybe one an hour in a, in a new, whole news station in an hour, maybe one uplifting story. The rest are, are kind of negative news because that's what this world is filled with, negative news. And so it makes me wonder, are people desperate for good news? Do you think that people are? I did some research as I was preparing for today and I came across a few polls and did you know that 7.1% of children ages 3 through 17 have been diagnosed with uh, anxiety? Now, 7.1% doesn't seem like a big number, but that's 4.4 million children have been diagnosed with anxiety. 3.2% of that same age group has been diagnosed with depression. That's 1.9 million. 55% of adult Americans said the day before they, they filled out the poll question, they experienced uh, stress for a lot of the day. Not just stress in the day, but for the majority of the day, they felt stress. 45% said the day before uh, they experienced a lot of worry. And 22% said the day before they spent the majority of the day angry. Researchers have found, they claim, that America is more stressed out today than people were during the Great Recession. And while America is, is leaders in all of these numbers, it's not just regulated to America. Negative experiences worldwide uh, have gone up over the last decade. In fact, last year, the amount of negative experiences reported in the world uh, were the same as 2017, which was labeled the darkest uh, year in the world for humanity in 10 years. Do you think people are desperate for good news? Why? Why is worry? Why is anxiety? Why is stress? Why, is this, why are these things so rampant in today's world? And let's not forget anger, right? Why are these things running rampant? Well, the poll says a couple reasons. One, finances. Two, health and health care. Three, politics and current events have got people stressed out, worried, anxious, fearful. And then you mix in our own relationships, right? We go home from work and we deal with our own relationships in the home. We go to work and we deal with the work environment which causes stress, worry, anxiety, and there's no escape. Because where do we try to find our escape? 
in a quiet room, and what do we do? We go onto social media, right? But did you know that nine out of 10 Americans say that, if that when they go onto social media, they're gonna, going to express their anger, frustration, and worries? And so the place we go to escape, what do we find? We find other people's anger, worries, and anxieties, and it fills us with anger, worry, and anxiety. Do you think people are desperate for good news? Yes. Are you? Yes. How would you characterize your own relationships? Your own work environment? Your health? I think we are all desperate for good news. And that's why I'm glad you're here this morning. Because we're beginning this new series called Grace Wins. And we are going to walk through the book of Romans. And what we're going to see is why we're stressed out, why, what causes fears, what causes worries, what causes anxieties. We're going to see all that. But we're also going to see the good news, the best news, the greatest news ever, and that is that grace wins because of Jesus. So, today we are looking at Romans chapter 1. And to give you some background, Romans was written by uh, a man named Paul. Uh, he was arguably the greatest missionary of all time. He started more churches than anyone in the Christian church uh, across many continents on his own. And one of the churches that he started was a church in Corinth. And so Paul, in 57 AD, is in Corinth right here. And he writes a letter to the Christians living in Rome. Now, it's a little interesting because Paul writes this letter to the Christians in Rome, and he had never been there yet. He didn't start the, the church in Rome. But he writes them this letter saying, I eagerly desire to come and meet you and to build you up in the gospel so that you also can build me up in the gospel. And so this letter that Paul writes is very doctrinal. It's very teaching-based. It's very deep. We could spend the whole year looking at this letter and still not mine all the truths that we could mine from it because it's that deep. But Paul writes in this letter in 57 AD, and, and the first, 17 verse, or four, first 15 verses are all introductory. Paul introduces himself. He says, I'm writing to you, Romans. I'm, I thank God for you every time I think of you. And I eager to, I, I'm eager to come and preach the gospel to you. And that transitions us into verses 16 and 17, what we're focusing on today. And, and people have said that these two verses are Paul's thesis verses for the rest of the book. Here's what Paul says, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Here's your first point this morning. Gospel means good news from God. Gospel means good news from God. The New Testament was written in Greek, and the Greek word for gospel is this word right here, oiangelion. Uh, it's two Greek words smashed together. Oi, which means good, and angelion. Can you guess what that word means? News. news. Yeah, good news smashed together. And so when somebody was saying that they had good news, they would say, I have oiangelion. For instance, this past Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night at Connect Group, we were going around the table uh, talking about our weeks, how everything is going. And Emma said, I have oiangelion. 
She actually said, I have good news. But she could have said, Oyan Galeon. She said, I have good news. I said, what happened? She said, I was walking through Hobby Lobby's parking lot and I found 20 bucks. <laughs> That's good news. When you leave the doctor's office with a clean bill of health, you could call your spouse and say, I have Oyan Galeon. I've got a clean bill of health. I'm healthy. I have good news. So what is the good news from God? Well, let's start with the bad news. The bad news is that God despises sin. He absolutely hates it. He's repulsed by sin. And not only is He repulsed by sin, He's repulsed by those who do sin, by the wicked. Here's what the Bible says on, on how God feels towards people who sin. God hates all those who do evil. Psalm 5, verse 5. In Proverbs 15.9, he says he hates the wicked's way. In Proverbs 15.26, he hates the wicked's thoughts. In Proverbs 15.8, he hates their worship. And in Proverbs 6.18, he hates their actions. God hates sin. He is repulsed by it and by those who do sin. God feels the same way towards people who sin, the same way I felt towards the woman in the news story that I read this past week. I was looking online, reading the news, and I saw a headline that said, Mother kills her toddler because he was getting in the way of her affair. I was filled with anger. I was filled with a little bit of hatred for that woman. The sense of justice. I was sad, frustrated with the world that we live in. And I wanted her to get, I wanted that boy to get justice, and I wanted the mother to pay for everything she did to that boy. That's exactly how God feels about sin and those who do sin. God wants justice, God hates sin. He's repulsed by it, including. Yours and mine. But wait a minute, Pastor. I didn't kill a toddler. I wasn't having an affair and killed a toddler. God feels this way about every single sin. Every lie, every evil thought, every lustful thought, everything God feels this way about. And yet, God loves you. And He's found a way to deal with your repulsive sin and my repulsive sin. And it's through Jesus, His one and only Son. God Himself came to this world, and what did He do? He became sin. The Bible says he, uh, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us. Jesus was perfect. Jesus knew no sin. And yet God made Him become sin. He became our sin. So Jesus became the drunk. Jesus became the person who was looking at inappropriate pictures on His phone. Jesus became the one with anger issues. Jesus became the one who, who cut someone down with their words. Jesus became the prideful, the arrogant. Jesus became the one who killed His toddler because His toddler was getting in the way of His affair. 
He became sin. He became one that God hated. And God took His justice out on Jesus. And at the cross of Christ, all of your sins were removed. All of your sins were dealt with. God removed the repulsiveness of your sin from you and put it on Jesus. So you are no longer credited with your sin. This is the good news of the Bible. God no longer sees your wickedness. God no longer sees your sin. God no longer sees you as a wicked sinner. Instead, He sees you as His perfect holy child. Because Jesus became your sin. This is the good news. And what's it do? Paul says, this gospel, this good news, is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. If I were to ask you what the word salvation means, what would you say? Heaven? Saved? Okay, saved. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, sometimes when I ask that question, people say, heaven. And, and that's the outcome of salvation. But it's really to be saved, right? It's a radical saving. If you want to see what salvation looks like, uh, turn to the book of Exodus and, and look at the Exodus of the Israelites. Uh, in 1500 BC, Moses leads the Jewish people out of slavery from the Egyptians. And they're on the run. And a million people, a group of million people are on the run, and what do they hit? The Red Sea. Alright, so they have to turn around and retreat and find some other way to go. And as they retreat, who do they see coming? The Egyptian army. It's a hopeless and helpless situation, right? They can't swim across the Red Sea and they can't turn back. Either way, they're going to die. There needs to be a vertical miracle that takes place in order for them to survive. And that's what happened. God parts the Red Sea. The Israelites cross over on dry ground to rest and salvation. The Egyptians come behind. Red Sea closes up. Egyptian army, gone. That is a vertical miracle. That is salvation. You and I were in a hopeless and helpless situation. We stood at the bank of a sea filled with our sins, so deep and so wide that we could never cross it. And as we turn around to retreat, what did we see coming? Death and justice and judgment. And we needed a vertical miracle. We were in a helpless and hopeless situation. And that miracle came from God through Jesus. And that power comes to us through the Gospel. And that's your second point. The Gospel saves from a helpless and hopeless situation. That powerful message, that message has the power to save us from the hopeless and helpless situations that we're in. This is the good news of the Bible. This is the good news from God. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of it. Well, of course not, Paul. Why would you be? This is fantastic news. And yet, what was Paul's experience? As he preached to the Jewish people, they found it repulsive that the Messiah would die. As he preached to the Gentiles, the Greeks, they considered it foolish to talk about the resurrection. And they let Paul know it. And yet Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it. Have you ever been ashamed of the Gospel? I admit that I have, and I'll tell you the story. 
I was standing in a hospital room with a mother and a father uh, whose daughter was diagnosed with cancer. And as I stood there, I wanted to tell them good news. And the good news I wanted to tell them was that God was going to heal their daughter. I wanted to say that the treatments would work and that God would, would bless them and that their daughter would heal and, and live a, a very long and happy life. That's the good news I wanted to tell, but I couldn't because I don't know if that's God's will or not. And so I told them the good news of the Bible, that Jesus loved her so much that He died for her sins, that He rose from the dead conquering the grave, and that no matter what happens, whether she lives a few more years or 85 more years, she will be in heaven one day with Jesus because of Him. But as I left that day, I kind of started thinking to myself, I wonder if they're disappointed that they had me come up here. I wish I could have told them that God's going to heal their daughter. Have you ever experienced that? Where you wish to tell someone good news that is different than this because you think that there's better news out there? Maybe you haven't been ashamed of it, but maybe you've been frustrated yourself. I wish God would just say that He wants to make me wealthy. That's what I want the good news of the Bible to be. I want the good news of the Bible to be that He's going to heal me all the time. I want the good news of the Bible to be that He's going to take away all my outward uh, stresses so that I can have peace. That's what I want the good news to be. And yet that's not the good news. And praise God it's not. Because otherwise, that good news would be like a text message that we receive. It's here today and gone. It would be like a last-second victory. We'd have that high of the good news for maybe five minutes, and then we'd get back on to normal life and back into the depressors of life. We need good news that will last. Because in this world, Jesus says, we will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. This world's problems will just keep coming. What we need is to escape this world. And that escape has come from God. And that's what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. In the gospel... In the good news from God, a righteousness from God has been revealed. Not only has Jesus became your sin and taken your sin away, but He's replaced that sin with His righteousness, with His perfection, with His holiness. So when God looks at you, He does not see a spiritual neutral, neither bad nor good. He sees someone who is holy, perfect, righteous, somebody who is His holy and dearly loved child. This is what God sees when He looks at you. This is your status before God. Your sins have been taken away. And this is the best good news ever. And that's your last point today. The Gospel is the best good news ever. Because this good news lasts forever. And it does help us in every single situation. I read a a quote actually this morning as I was eating breakfast. I was from Corey Ten Boone. And the quote said, When we look at the world, we're distressed. When we look within, we're depressed. But when we look to God, we're at rest. 
And that's the best good news ever. And the only reason we're at rest in, in God is because Jesus has taken our sin away and has given us His righteousness. And because of that, no matter what's going on in the world, we have God's promises to get us through because we know that our escape is coming. And so here's a few of the promises that God makes to you because you are righteous in His sight. He doesn't promise to give you uh, wealth, but instead He promises and He tells you, do not worry, because He promises to take care of you because He takes care of the birds of the air, the flowers of the field. He will take care of you, He says. Instead, His promise is, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He will take care of all of your needs. And so don't be anxious, don't be worried. He'll take care of you. Jesus does heal us. Every time we're, we're sick and we get healed, Jesus does heal us. But uh, He doesn't promise to continue healing us forever here because life isn't going to go on forever here. Death is going to come. But here's His promise to you because you're righteous. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in Me will live even though they die. Death is not your end. Death is just your beginning in heaven. You will live even though you die. As we look at current events, as we look at politics, uh, as we think of the future for our children, and we get fearful and anxious and worried, here's God's promise. Philippians 4. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near you. Wherever you go, no matter what you're going through, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends, which goes above all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Lord is near you, no matter what you're going through, because you are righteous in His sight. He will be with you through every situation. And finally, God says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. When we look inside of us, what do we see? Failure. We see someone who doesn't live up to our own expectations. We see someone who we probably wouldn't even love if we weren't us. And what does God say? You are my chosen people. I've chosen you. And you are wholly and dearly loved by the God of this world. Why? Because you are perfect in His sight. Righteous because of Jesus. This is the best good news ever. And, and so, do we want to read the news and be caught up in the news? Yes, absolutely. We want to be caught up to date with what's going on. But let's also read the best good news ever every day. If we're going to surround ourselves with, with the news of the day, let's surround ourselves with the best good news of the day, and that is from God, that you are perfect in His sight and holy and dearly loved. And so i got three ways to make this practical for you. One, Download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone and you can set up notifications and it will push to you a daily Bible verse. And you can kind of think of that as breaking news from God. Breaking good news from God. Number two, Romans has 16 chapters. July has 31. So if you start today, you can read through the book of Romans twice. And number three, pick one of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Pick one of them and read a section or a chapter a day and, and be in God's good news about Jesus. Because as we do, as we surround ourselves with the best good news ever, stress, worry, 
anxiety, fear, and even depression can melt away as it's replaced with joy, gladness, happiness, and thanks. Let's grow in this good news this week. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for the best good news ever. We thank you that you came to this world, that you lived perfectly for us, that you died and you rose again. Uh, Because of you, we know that we will escape this world filled with its bad news and one day be in heaven with you where it's only good news all the time, where we'll be at rest forever. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your love. We thank you for all of your promises to us uh, and that we receive by faith. It's by faith that all this righteousness comes to us and we thank you for it. Uh, We ask you to be with us today. Help us to grow this week in this word uh, so that we grow in the best news ever. In your name we pray. Amen.